back to the Logos of Experience and Truth podcast, where I work to help unlock the mysteries of the beautific vision. Now, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I got ahead of myself in every other episode that I spoke about mysticism or the Logos or the image of God or any of all those different types of things. I didn't establish and define more in depth what the mysteries are, for instance. I'll try and do that, but I'm especially trying to do this without scripting anything. So at this point, I'm basically just pulling things out of my mind. The previous episodes, I heavily outlined, heavily scripted them. Like I said, I was concerned with credibility. I had gone to school for writing, but I was trying to double major in religion. The issue was that at the time of my senior year, the UC school district here in California had decided that you couldn't double count humanities courses. So I couldn't get my religious studies degree at the same time I was trying to get my writing degree. That ended that. So essentially, I don't have a degree in religion, even though I was heavily studying it then. And over the years since then, I became disenfranchised essentially with the school system. The catch-22 of needing a degree to get a job, but then needing experience to get a job. And I just got sick of that pay-to-play system of schooling and didn't want to incur any more debt from it. So essentially where I could have gone and finished and gotten the religious studies stuff and done all of that, like I said, I became disenfranchised from it. So I was very concerned with establishing my credibility because I don't have any of that technical, traditional schooling, that type of stuff. I don't have a master's or a PhD in this. All I have is experience and patience and skeptical thinking, meditation on what this is, what the mysteries are, what the mystical experience is, and trying to decipher through all the symbolism of everything that I've come across what these actually do. The mysteries have existed for who knows how long. When you study any of the texts, I mentioned I had reread some of Plato and Socrates. It's hard to say both of them quote it, kind of difficult if you've never read Plato, because Plato writes through the mouth of Socrates. So is it Plato? Is it Socrates that's talking? But either way, I'll just say Plato, just so to not get confused. Plato mentions the mysteries, that they study them, they know about them, that there is priests that teach it at that time in ancient Athens. And then obviously, once you look at that, you go deeper. That's where the Oracle of Delphi is. That's where the Eleusinian mysteries are. And then once you go into the broader scope of the Mediterranean, there's other centers, other locations where what are called the mysteries are taught. And most importantly, because this is what was important back then, they were experienced by people. Now, any deeper study into the mysteries any deeper looking into it, they're very difficult to decipher because one of the rules of anybody that entered into these kind of temporary monasticism, because there were these little temples, these kind of schools, little areas, and you would go to them and there were different ones. One could be a real short one, others could be a much longer one. So there's different differentiation when it comes to them. But kind of thinking of them as almost like a spa, right? If you went to a spa for a weekend, 
and you got to relax, but they also taught you some wacky stuff and you left, you know, thinking differently. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of a funny way of thinking about the mysteries in ancient times, but, uh, essentially people would go to them, especially if we think of the grandest one that existed back then, the Eleusinian mysteries, and there was a greater and a lesser version of it. So depending on how much time you spent at them, but essentially what they did is they taught knowledge of the self. doesn't really matter which one they were. Kind of the general thing about all of them was they taught knowledge of the self and they taught knowledge of the gods, right? Since obviously back then we're talking uh, polytheism. So they taught the gods and knowledge of the self, which is the teaching that was above the oracle at Delphi, know thyself, right? And if you watch The Matrix... The old school one, I saw the new one. I can't remember exactly if they restated it. I think they did, but obviously in the old one, it was the sign on there. She gives Neo a whole bunch of stuff about know thyself, right? You have to know yourself if you are the one, essentially, is what she tells him in that movie. That's what the mysteries taught. They taught knowledge of the self. Now, that's a whole other concept right there, the self, right? But diving into what is the self. And I spent a great deal of time of that on one of the episodes. I think it was on the Logos or in the image of God. And then I dove into the self and how that can be translated into these different concepts that exist in spirituality, especially in the Christian tradition. Since again, that's the avenue that I most take, even though I've studied many other things as well. So the mysteries in ancient times were specific about knowledge of the self, but going beyond knowledge. It was more about experiencing that knowledge. One of the rules was that it was kind of like Fight Club. You do not talk about Fight Club. You did not talk about the mysteries and what you saw and what you experienced. And that's what's made it very difficult for any historian, any scholar to figure out what these mysteries actually were. The only way that we know about them is obviously because some people spilled the beans on what was going on inside of these rituals. But in general, there's really very little that emerged from this time period explaining what these mysteries actually were, of what actually took place in them. When you go into any of the historical records from the various writers of the early Christian centuries, so... I'm thinking of uh, Jamblichus. I think he was second or third century AD. He gives overviews of what these mysteries were and kind of a little bit of their historical stuff, but doesn't really dive into what actually occurred. You know, um, I think there was one report from the Eleusinian mysteries of you kind of go into these underground caverns and there's all these different things and they show you this and they show you that and seems there was a lot of use of sound and light to kind of disorient you to try and create and implant something into your mind that would help you to understand the mysteries of what the mysteries are. Essentially, the mystery of the self, the mystery of existence, the mystery of the gods is the key ideas that they were trying to impart onto a person that decided to enter into these the mysteries. And this is the ritual at the end of it. There's scant details on how much time they prepared for it, but there was a prep period. There was a preparation period that led to these types of mystical experiences 
that taught these different topics. And why these are important is because this was the ancient way of showing, teaching these types of things. Now, the mysteries in today's sense, in the sense that I'm talking about, and in the sense that more people might be more familiar with, are essentially the sacraments of the church, Christianity, and whatever sacraments still remain in the Protestant division of Christianity, because that's essentially what sacrament translates to. Sacrament is mystery. So in the Christian sense, the sacraments are the mysteries of God interacting with us, how God interacts with us, how God imparts his being to us in some mysterious way, right, is why they're called the sacraments. The clearest one would be the Eucharist. Obviously, there's differentiation now, especially in and over the past several centuries of, is the Eucharist real? Is that an actual thing? Blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to get into that in this or in the next episodes. But essentially, the Eucharist and the sacrament from the traditional sense is that it's a method, way, manner of God imparting his being onto us, and that's the grace. The Eucharist is the grace being imparted to us. It's a method of this occurring. Obviously, at some point, I can dive deeper into that. That's what these mysteries are. So when I say unlocking the mysteries of the beatific vision of God, beatific vision would be the experience. So unlocking these mysteries is essentially unlocking the method by which somebody, and if we use the ancient term, an initiate experiences in a manner that either shows knowledge of the self or knowledge of God. That's what the mysteries are. But in doing this, the why is this important for a person is because it helps to focus, orient, unlock the mind. There's something about doing this. There's something about the mystical experience, even if it occurs from a drug experience. And again, I'm not advocating the drug method because there's a lot of negatives that come to it. And if you've listened to any of the other things I've spoken about, I mention a lot of those negatives and I'll probably get into it again. Uh, Most likely we'll get into it again, but there's a lot of negatives that come from that. If, for instance, you were saying in the traditional drug sense, I want to expand my mind by doing drugs, there's a lot of negatives that come with that, where the traditional sense of the mysteries of knowledge, preparation, understanding, meditation, there are no negatives. And all it does is penetrate your mind extraordinarily to its depths to where you essentially unlock yourself. And for me, I mentioned, there really was nothing more important than that. Understanding myself and the byproduct of understanding and knowing thyself was, oh, I now know how to use my mind. I now know how to focus. I now know how to think. I now know how to formulate a plan. I now know how to fail so that I can succeed. I now know how to succeed from failure those types of things. That is what unlocking your mind does. And the mysteries is the traditional method of achieving this. Because I don't know how to word it. It's kind of like if you've ever made a to-do list or you have your goal sheet or you you have things that you want to achieve. Well, when you achieve them, you mark them off your list and now there's a vacuum and you have to fill that up with something else. Well, 
if you're trying to understand, for instance, the big granddaddy question of, is God real? Is there a God? And if through the mysteries, you've now answered that question, well, there's now a gigantic vacuum that will exist in your mind of, well, what am I going to try and solve next? And that's an aspect of what I'm trying to talk about here, of the benefit of these types of understandings, knowledge, wisdom, and most importantly, the experience of it. Thinking about something is one level of knowing, but experiencing is another level of knowing. Just as if you're only experiencing but never understanding the logical, intellectual aspect of it, how much are you actually gaining? So that was the purpose and the method of the mysteries, of mysticism. You need to have the intellectual to have the mysticism, but if you've had the mysticism, you need to have the intellectual in order to fully grasp what was experienced. And that's what the mysteries do. There's no other way for me to explain that. The mysteries unlock your mind by teaching you, A, what the mind is, and B, how to navigate it. And I'll leave you at that. We'll dive into something else next time at the Logos of Experience and Truth podcast. 